Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. And Happy New Year 2021. Absolutely. Aren't we so excited for 2021? Although it's not over. But they say there's two reasons you should be excited for something. One, because it's exciting and new. And the other one is because the thing you didn't like is now over. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we're for both. um, I think, as we've said before on this podcast, uh, we've um, hated a lot of things about COVID and quarantining and isolation and all the sickness and so on loss of jobs and people and it's really so hard but we've also learned a lot from this experience in fact we're in our family we're sort of sharing our resolution we're beginning to share our resolutions or our hopes for next year and i think at least speaking for myself it's a more thoughtful process than it's ever been before because of what we're coming out of and what we've learned and how humble we all feel humble and really really the best possible way we really do. I mean, we realize how little control we have over our own lives. Even though other people, some people may think we have, they have control over our lives, really, we don't. And I think God has control over our lives. And, and not that he's controlling us, but that he's watching over us. And I think that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. Well said, honey. One of my resolutions is to be more like you in the new year. Oh, yeah? Yep. I don't think I'll ever be as cute as you, but I just want to be more (laughs) like you. Linda is a natural empathy, and I have to work hard at every shred of empathy I get. (laughs) No, that's not true. But um, I'd like to be more like you, too. No, you wouldn't. In some ways. Oh, let's be glad. (laughs) Let's be glad that isn't the case. Um, But it is true that it is a new... Uh, opening, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, although getting there may still be a struggle through the mud. We just don't know at this point. I wish you could all see Linda right now. She's sitting right here by me, and she's got on her brand new pajamas, and they are the cutest oh, things. They're so cuddly. It just makes me want to reach over and oh hug her goodness. all the time and yeah. warm, right? Well, I thought what you were going to say is I have my coat on. It's kind of well, cold. Well, yeah, you have your coat on, it's too. It's snowing but... where we are right now, and... Uh, but it won't be for long. Next week, we will be calling in from Hawaii. Yeah, we're going to go to Maui. We're, we're, we're old folks, you know. We gotta, we're going to go over there where there's no cases of COVID. And we're going to stay until no, we know four. we can get... Oh, there's four yeah. on the whole island. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to come back when we can get the vaccine. But I think things are, like you say, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And some of you who we know have been so careful and trying so hard to protect yourselves and your families. Hopefully, the need for all that caution will soon be over. Do you find that the ones, though, that are the most careful are the ones who also get it? Honestly, I can't believe it. Our most careful families... I have a friend, we have friends our age who got it about three weeks ago. And they were more careful than we were, which they, is saying something. They had quarantined not going outside the house at all in St. George, Utah for six months. 
And then they came back and somehow the wife got it and just has no idea how she got it. But she said it is different for older people. She said it might be 10 day incubation for younger people, but it's just been 20 days now and they're just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So and anyway, we thought, you know, we've had, we've been in this mode of telling stories the last several weeks, more than that, a couple of months or more on Ayers on the Road, different kind of stories, travel stories, Christmas stories, writing stories, England stories, just all kinds of stories because we love stories and we know most people love stories. And it's in stories that we often find what we need. You know, sometimes a, a story is so much better than someone giving you advice or telling you what to do or sharing all these highfalutin ideas and philosophies. Sometimes a story, because a story will bring us to our own truth. It'll bring us to our own minds and what, what our ideas are and what works for us. And we thought it would be really fun to start off the new year by telling what we're going to call, for want of a better word, prophet stories. Stories of some people who we think of as heroes. And, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about, Linda. Um, people say, who are your heroes? Who are your models? Who are your, um, who are the people you look up to and, and become the, the role models for you and so on? And I I've always been funny about that. I, I don't think I have any heroes among sports figures. I mean, I love sports. I don't think I have any heroes who are business tycoons, although I love business. I, I, think, I, I think my heroes are spiritual people because I, I envy them I, I, in a good way. I admire the sacrifices they make and so on. And well, and, and I think it doesn't need to be Prophets. I mean, we are going to talk about that today, but we've been talking about our heroes from high school. You know, people, those are the people we admire because they knew how to really take care of people. They knew how to love people in the way that they needed to be loved and so on. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of call, <clears throat> I'd call them minor heroes. I think, to me at least, the major heroes are people who are holy, people who have really achieved a level of spirit and and devotion and connection to the divine that I just that I just admire and in our church we really we are unique in the world in that we believe there are living prophets still on the earth today we believe that as Amos said in the old testament surely the lord god will do nothing but he revealeth his secret to his servants the prophets and I remember once on my mission long ago when I was serving as an LDS missionary, hearing a talk where, where the speaker said, you know, the, the Christian world generally today no longer believes in living prophets. And, and I have asked myself, well, why would, why would there not be prophets today if there were anciently? And he said, the only three answers I can come up with are all ridiculous. Num number one is, um, God has lost the ability to speak. He can't speak anymore. Number two possibility would be, we don't need him anymore. We've become so advanced and so polished that we don't really need God anymore. And number three would be, well, he doesn't care about us and he doesn't love us like he did ancient people and so he doesn't speak. And, 
And I remember thinking, yeah, logically, there certainly should be prophets today. Well, we believe there are, and we have had the wonderful sort of luck, I guess you'd say, or good fortune. Blessing. Blessing would be a better word to come in personal contact with a lot of these a lot of these men who we actually believe are prophets. And we want to talk about some of them today in the way of some stories. Yes, and we realize that everybody listening to this podcast do not are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we assume that most of you are faithful and have your own uh, heroes. We have we have heroes outside of our church. Sure, sure. Um, Richard Rohr, for example, and Mother Teresa, and so many people who have changed our lives as well. Who, in a way, but are also prophets. They are. They are, exactly. And or at least mystics, which we think are fascinating right now. Yeah. But um, we do think it is really fun that we have had really a huge blessing that we have had contact with several prophets and we thought we would just share some stories. And they're personal stories and and a lot of them are stories we've never told before publicly. We've told them to our children, we've told them in our family. But I want to go back, we want to, and we'll see how far we get today. We think we'll have to carry this over for a couple of weeks because there's some stories that are really dear to us and and we're gonna, I'm going to go way back to start out. The first prophet I ever met, or saw for that matter, was when I was a boy, a young boy, and when a man named David O. McKay was the prophet and the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'll just tell this story real fast, because it's, it's a story like many of you have had. It's not so much a personal interaction as it is just an admiration uh, as a young boy a, a group of us went with a one of our church leaders from logan where i lived up in northern utah down to salt lake city to attend a session of general conference in the historic tabernacle and there was some real luck involved in this art we pulled in to this parking area just at the very time that a big black car pulled in and stopped right in front of the tabernacle. We were all watching to see who was in it. And the back door of the car opened. It was opened by uh, a person who got out of the front door who looked like an official or a security guy or something. And he opened the back door of the car and he reached in and assisted a very, very frail, I think at that time, 94-year-old, David O. McKay, the prophet of our church, and helped him stand up and get out of the car and handed him his cane so that he could walk and make his way into the tabernacle. But as we watched, something very interesting happened. Instead of going on around the front of the car, which was the direct way into the door of the tabernacle, he started walking the other way, around the back end of the car, very slowly with his cane, it was hard for him to proceed. And as we watched the sweetest thing, he came around to the other side of the car, the other back door, and opened it. And leaning on his cane with one hand, he reached into the car and took the hand of his wife, Emma, and helped her out of the car, opened the door, and lifted and helped her get out of the car. And then with his arm his hand on her arm and his cane in the other, 
he proceeded to help her enter the tabernacle. And I remember being really, really touched by that, that, that he cared so much for his dear wife that despite his own infirmities, he helped her. That was my first prophet story. You did. I know you've told that story so many times and I have thought, hmm, if that was me, I would get out of there before he got there. I can't be patient enough to wait for you to hobble along well, the back of the car. Well, you wouldn't have if you'd been if you'd been Emma. She was in. I'm, she was probably in her nineties too. But oh, I think yeah. he'd done that his entire life. I mean, it, it had been a, a thing that he had decided he was going to do, and that she had decided she was going to wait for him. Well, and just the <laughs> respect that he yes, showed it's for really her. a sweet story. And he was a wonderful man. We actually have a bust of him that's carved from mahogany by a wonderful South American artist named Victor Delatore. I haven't thought of that for a long time, honey. He, he's from yeah. Chile and we were lucky enough to get this and it shows the dignity, the flowing white hair, this beautiful And the white man. suits that he used to wear. He was the prophet of the church for 28 years, second longest only, only to Brigham Young who was the prophet and president for 29 years. So I remember him my entire childhood. We were on our knees every morning at the breakfast table and uh, we would pray for President McKay. Um, and that's a lot of years. I mean, you're a kid for 18 years and I don't remember any other prophet being in my mind but President McKay. Now next let's move to a story by uh, of a man who was a general authority in our church, not the prophet, but a wonderful man. Some of you older folks will remember the name of S. Dilworth Young, who was the leader of the Quorum of the Seventy in our church. And this was a funny one. Just when I mentioned the name, Linda started to smile and almost laugh because we had quite an experience with he and his wife, Hulda, on their visit to London while we were there as I mission believe, president. I believe she was his second wife, but this just shows the humanity of these magnificent people who give up their lives to sacrifice for us. And uh, it is really fun because we were having dinner then at this lovely Italian restaurant. After dinner, they brought the dessert trolley, and he, or he pointed at something, I'll take that, and Hulda said, is there any alcohol in that? And they said, oh, yes, ma'am, it is. The well, waiter said, well, there is a little liqueur in this, in this cake. <laughs> so he pointed at another one and said, is, is there any alcohol in that? And um, he said, well, I'm sorry, sir, yes, there is a little bit of liqueur in that. So then we, he went one more, I think, and then finally said, oh, I'll just have some fruit salad. I'll and just have the fruit salad then. He and, was kind of upset. Well, and then the waiter said to him, I'm sorry, sir, but there's a little liqueur there's in There's a the little fruit. sherry in the fruit salad. <laughs> and so um, and, and so Holden said, fine. well, you can't have that then. And <laughs> So he didn't have any dessert, and as the dessert trolley wheeled away, I'll never forget this, he looked over, and he, he was in his 80s, and they were both older. Yeah. He looked over at Hulda, and he said, Hulda, what I didn't know wouldn't have hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> that was really a But you're right, story. it just shows the humanity of these great people who are sacrificing so much to serve us. We've run out of time for the first half. Stay with us, though. We've got some more stories about prophets, and we'll be right back on Ayers on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We're telling some stories about 
people we revere as prophets because they're, they're because they're our heroes and and even if you are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we think you'll find a lot to admire in some of these stories. Um, we do think that um, we could go on forever, but it is fun to have these personal stories. Let us tell you one um, that happened to me when I was a young missionary working in New York City in the 60s, if you can believe it was that long ago. And we were, we were blessed to be guides at the Mormon Pavilion, what was called the Mormon Pavilion of the New York World's Fair. And it was really an interesting time for us. And um, one of the things that, was, that made it interesting is there was a, a man, another general authority in our church named Bernard Brockbank who was in charge of the, the pavilion and of all the things that went on there. And it was a great, I could tell you, I could give you a lot of ancillary facts. We were right across the street from the Vatican Pavilion, which had the Pieta, the actual Pieta of Michelangelo had been moved from Italy to New York and was there. And, and we went to go see that and so on. And our pavilion was a little more humble, but it was a beautiful place. And we were guides and we would tell people about what we believed and so on. Well, it was the first time that the Thor Balsons beautiful statue of the, the Christus, right. The Christus that we all, many of us know have been, it's been in the uh, visitor center in, on Temple's Court for a lot of years and is all over the world now. In fact, one priest from the Vatican Pavilion across the street lingered in our pavilion one evening and I was closing up and I walked up behind him not knowing that he was a priest tapped him on the shoulder to tell him we were closing, and he turned around with tears in his eyes, I'll never forget this, an older man, and he explained, he said, the difference is that we have the dead Christ and you have the risen Lord. And I just, I've always wondered how many levels mm -hmm. of meaning, he was of course comparing the Pieta, which is Mary holding the slain Christ. Magnificent. To uh, and you can't compare the quality of, of Pieta yeah. far greater, but our statue represented the risen Lord. Anyway, the story we wanted to tell was not there at the fair, but back at a tall high-rise apartment building called Leafrack City, where we all lived as missionaries, and where Bernard Brockbank, our supervisor, also lived. And one night, I'll tell it fast because it was just such a great thing. I could go on and on. We were, my companion and I were getting ready for bed and there was a knock on our door and we went and there was Bernard Brockbank, our elder, our leader, our supervisor, standing in his nightshirt in the doorway asking a question. He said, Francis, my wife has gone back to Salt Lake for a visit and I'm here alone. Could I join you missionaries for prayer tonight? And we were honored, of course, and we said, come in and we knelt down and we assumed he would say the prayer, but he looked right at me and he said, you say it, Elder. So I proceeded to say like the longest, most thorough prayer I'd ever said, trying to <laughs> cover all the bases and be impressive. And here's the strange thing. Halfway through the prayer, I heard the unmistakable sound of a pencil writing, scratching rapidly on paper. And I didn't dare open my eyes and look up. I assumed it was my companion, a young greeny missionary, who probably didn't even realize who Elder Brockbank was and who was writing his nightly letter to his girlfriend. I didn't know. I just kept praying. And when I looked up, I was surprised to see that it was Elder Brockbank writing, and he'd filled up 
a whole couple of pages on a yellow pad. And I didn't even dare ask him what he was doing. I, I wondered, is he evaluating my prayer? <laughs> Did I get an A for content or whatever? But anyway, he went out the door, actually said, thank you, went out the door, closed the door, and then I'll never forget this. He opened the door again, and with a little twinkle in his eye, said, you elders are probably wondering what I was writing. And I was kind of nodding, I think, and he said, I'm getting a little older now, and I find that when I get inspiration or when I get an answer in my prayers if I don't write it down I tend to forget it and then he just left and I looked at my companion and I said elder prayer is real to him he asks questions to God and he takes notes on the answers right <laughs> that was a big learning experience that is, for me. a good story because he was such a good man um, it really is interesting about um, the influence that these men have, not only the influence, but the spirit that they carry with them and the, their mindset is so different because their whole life is, is wrapped up in serving the Lord, which we all should be, but we're, we're not there. And it has been such a pleasure to know some of these great men. And for our last prophet story today, <laughs> we want to tell the, the one that's probably the most important in our own lives because, um, it's probably the reason we're sitting here together today <laughs> having this uh, marriage. And I think Linda should set the stage. So Linda, just, just set the stage. You, here we were at Utah State, students dating. We had an on again, off again romance. And I didn't know what to do. I was love struck. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And you were sort of, how did you feel? Before I, before I had this spiritual experience with the prophet. Well, I felt like someday, someday I'll, I'll figure this out. But in the meantime, we're just having fun. I'm not thinking about this seriously at all. We're just having fun. <laughs> and in fact, we had broken up once. Yeah, right? big time. A big time. He wanted me to marry him. And well, I didn't say that. I wanted you to go quit steady, going out right? with other yeah. guys. I was like, no, I am not ready to get serious <laughs> with anyone. I'm going to Europe and I'm not getting married until I'm 28. As soon as I graduate from... <laughs> From college, I am gone, and you know, when I'm 28, come back and give me another try. Well, and from my perspective, honestly, I think back on it, I was just, I was just, I was like a puppy. I was in love. I didn't know what love was. I was afraid. I, I was just home from my mission. I knew that this was an eternal thing, this eternal marriage. I didn't know what to do. And one night, while I was laying in my little bed, I remembered that President Harold B. Lee, the prophet, the president of the church, had said to me on my mission on one occasion, I had picked him up in New York when his plane landed, and he had said, Elder Iyer, if you ever need anything when you get home, come in and see me. I'm sure he said that to every missionary he'd ever met, you know. But <laughs> and he in, didn't really plan on all of them. No, <laughs> but, but in my state of confusion and sort of lovesick haplessness. I just remembered that and I thought, oh, I'll go see him. I'll go see him. He'll tell me what to do. And I got up early the next morning and got on my old car. It was a Corvair, by the way. I'll never forget it. One of those old Chevy Corvairs. And I just early in the morning before it was even light, I drove from Logan down to Salt Lake, which was 80 miles. And I got there before the building even opened. And I was waiting on the front steps when they opened the building uh, the security was less in those days, and they, 
I, and they told me where President Lee's office was, and I went back to his office. And <laughs> I just thought, well, he'll be happy to see me. <laughs> After all, he told me to come and see him if you ever had a problem, and man, did I have a problem. <laughs> anyway, I'll never forget his secretary. She was there to keep people like me away from him. <laughs> And I, she looked up at me and says, what can I do for you? I said, well, I need to see President Lee. And she said, so do a lot of people. Did you think to get an appointment? <laughs> Just like that, I'll never forget that. And I was like bowled over. I was like, no, no, oh, no, you, you don't no. understand. I, I really need to see him. And I think I was a little emotional or something. And I'm not sure, but I think in her mind, she thought, this poor boy is suicidal. I better, I better <laughs> do <him> something. <laughs> so she excused herself, and, and I guess he had just gotten there, and, and she went in his office, and she came back out and said, well, you're lucky, young man. He's waiting for his first appointment, which isn't here yet, so go right in, but don't take a lot of time. <laughs> and I, by then, I'd realized how, what a fool's errand I was on, but I went in, and and, and, and Elder Lee stood up and said, well, Elder Iyer, how are you? And I'm like, yes, he remembers me. <laughs> of course, what had happened is she had told him my course, name yeah. when, she, when she went in. And he said, sit down so graciously. So I sat down and he said, what can I help you with? And I said, well, I was kind of stammering, I'm sure. I need to know if I should get married. I kind of blurted out and, and he said, Oh, that's easy, Elder. You should. <laughs> I think he was having a little fun with me. It was his comic relief for the day, and I and I sort of, no, 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 no. You, I mean, I mean, I mean, I I need to know if I should marry this particular girl. <laughs> oh, he said. Well, tell me about her. And here's where the sense of humor came in, because I distinctly remember the first question he said, "Can she bake a cherry pie?" <laughs> And I was so, so like, confused, I didn't even, I, I thought it would, maybe he was serious. And I said, well, I, I don't know if she can. <laughs> anyway, to cut through it, he was enjoying himself, I'm sure. But then he turned serious. And he said, um, Elder Iyer, he said, uh, do you know about the ninth section of the Doctrine and Covenants, one of our books of Scripture? And I said, actually, yes, that's the one that says, if you have a, a question or an issue, you should study it out in your mind. And that's all I've been doing. I don't think of anything else. I'm flunking my classes. I can't think of anything but Linda. And he said, well, you may not have understood it well. And, he, and he, I remember he turned around his big scriptures and pushed it across his desk to me. And he said, read, read. And he gave me three verses. And I started reading, and it sounded just like what I'd read before. For a minute, I thought, this is the prophet's book. It might have some extra Right, yeah, stuff. I'm sure there'd be an extra line in there, yeah. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that it read the same way, you know. And I said, well, it says study it out in your mind and then pray about it. And that's what I've been doing, and I haven't got an answer yet. He said, and he just smiled. I can still see his face in my mind. This man who I believed then and now was actually a prophet. And he said, Elder Iyer, you've left out the middle step. I said, what? It just says, pray about it. And then it says, study it out and then pray about it. But he said, read that verse again. And I read, and if it be right, 
I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you and you will know that it is right. And he said, if what is right? And I said, well, if Linda's right. And he said, no, 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 this is not about Linda. He said, if your decision is right, you see, you have to study it out in your mind and then make your own decision thoughtfully and prayerfully and then take that decision to God in a prayer for confirmation. And if it is right, he will confirm that it's right. And then he said, read on. And it said, and if it is not right, I will cause a stupor of thought. And he said, have you done that? I said, well, no, I thought God would tell me the decision. No, no, he said, you need to decide. And so I said, okay. And then he put his arm around me. He said, you, you go fast. You, you, do a, you go without food for a couple of days and you, you've made your decision. I can tell. You take it to God and see if he confirms it. And so I did, and I got a confirmation, and it's the biggest blessing I've ever had in my life. Thank you, President Harold B. Lee. So hang on. We've got some more stories for you next week on Ayers on the Road. We'll continue with these stories about prophets next week. Please join us. It's fun to tell them, and we hope it's fun to hear them. And again, Happy New Year. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.